You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So the coolest thing ever happened to me. Well, not ever, you know, metaphorically. Coolest thing happened in Starbucks. I love Starbucks. It's kind of my virtual office over here in Hamburg. Love to sit at the bar right there. And coffee, right? Don't hear David's drinking. I love to sit at the bar. It's just coffee, right? Coffee. Love to sit at the bar, interact with the baristas, check everything out. My mind just works well. I think better and all that hustle and bustle and different people coming in. I love the background noise. So I go over there. I'm doing some writing. And I decided to go ahead and block off a few hours every Friday night. It's Christian and Sophie. They have special time. Bella's in bed with Michelle. So I go over there and I write. And I know when I pick out my seat, go in there the first night, there's this guy. And I've seen him there before. We'll call him Dan. And Dan sat seated to the left. He's on the very end of the bar there. And he's sitting there. And I'm like, ah, I know what's going to happen. I see him in here frequently. If I go sit up there, he's going to want to strike up a conversation. I don't want to do that. And there's only four seats, and I like this seat for my backpack, so I can only put one in between us, right? So I go up, and I pull the seat out, and I'm going to slide in, and he makes eye contact with me, so I give him the nod, and that's all he's getting. That's all I want. I've got stuff to do, so I give him a nod like that, and then I sit down, all that. He stays about the same length I do, leaves about five minutes early. He leaves, though, and I feel convicted. I feel like the Holy Spirit, since the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, you need to pray about that. So I start praying about it through the week. I go back next Friday. Dan's there, same seat. So I go up and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I do. So this time, instead of the nod, I nudge him toward a handshake. Handshake, very brief. I sit down. We go about our business. Everything's fine. The next week, same thing happens. Next week, same thing. Except there's a little more conversation every week. I go in about two weeks ago. And he's seated to the far right. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? That's my section. You know, I'm not ready to exchange that yet. We're still working on this relationship. But he's seated over there. So I go put my backpack down and go get in line, get the coffee, come back to this end, waiting on the coffee. And I totally forgot I had the shirt on, but he looks over and he says, hey, uh, are you connected with that Northeast church over there? And I had a Northeast Christian church shirt on. And I said, well, yeah, uh, actually I am. So I go over there, we shake hands again. I said, I don't think we've ever actually exchanged names. I'm Dave. He says, yeah, I'm Dan. And I'm like, so tell me, what do you know about Northeast? And he gives this great rundown about there's this group of people that have been coming over to his neighborhood and they've been mowing the lawn and they've been raking leaves and they've passed out a few books and as I'm think, standing there thinking, he's like, yeah, and there's this bigger guy that comes over and does some stuff too. And I'm thinking, I think I know exactly who that is. And we're in the second week of this series called What If? And I'm thinking as I'm talking to this guy, what if is so true? What if, what if this really works? And you know, we're talking about evangelism and I don't, I don't want this to be a sermon where it's like evangelism, we need to do it, we need to do it better. And it's so easy for this topic to be reduced to a sermon like that. But instead, I want us to think about what's really included in this idea of evangelism. And what if, what if it really, really works? And when you think about that, that's exactly what was going on when Jesus started right on the scene. And he was doing like this evangelistic stuff. 
He actually comes to this section. He's, crowds are following him. He's teaching, doing some great teaching. People are following him, rallying around him. They're interested in what the guy's saying. So he sees these boats. And the word that uh, Luke is going to use for see, it means he perceives something. He's aware that there's more than just teaching going on. He can use this as a great visual demonstration for what he wants his followers to do. So he goes and teaches, actually teaches in a boat. And there's some guys around, one of them's named Simon. And they've been fishing for a while and they're gonna have this little exchange. Well, let's read it together. Luke chapter five. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon also Peter, hey, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, come on, really? You don't think we've thought about that? We've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. And I'm sitting there interacting with this guy, Dan, and I'm thinking, that's exactly where we are. We hear this idea of evangelism, we work at it, we create sermons about it, we have these efforts at church, But really, all we're doing is working all night. We haven't caught anything. When was the last time it actually worked for you? So we have these excuses, you know. It goes something like this. I don't do it. I don't get involved in all that because it's awkward. And it can be, right? I mean, if you want to just start up a conversation based on the Bible with someone you don't know, it is awkward. I get that. And then sometimes we think, well, it's not my job. I mean, that's for preachers or evangelists or somebody with some kind of official title, right? And then sometimes we think, well, it's intimidating. And I get that too. Who's not a little scared or a little nervous when you walk up to someone and you want to strike up a spiritual conversation? It can be intimidating. And what's the risk? I mean, if you put yourself out there, what may happen? And it's also not my style, especially for those of us who consider ourselves introverts or quiet-natured. That's really not how I roll. I'll do it in a different way. But basically, it all boils down to, it's not going to work. I mean, come on. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. Do you think if we throw our nets over here, it's going to be any different? But Peter goes on with a story, and Luke records the very next statement. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And that is one of the most beautiful statements in Scripture. Because as I'm standing there talking with Dan, I'm thinking, I'm not initiating anything. I'm involved in something God's already doing and that you're already doing. You've already been planting and watering seeds. And I'm just coming along and adding a little more water to it. And God's using that to make this thing grow and maybe work. So a few days later, I'm in Starbucks on an off night, not typical Friday night, but on a different day. And I see this guy come in and I stand up, we shake hands, kind of give one of those little bro hugs. I didn't even know we were at that stage in the relationship, but he initiated. So I roll with it, give the little bro hug. And I say, hey, um, I know it looks like you're in a hurry because he was on his way out. I just want to let you know in a couple of weeks at our church on June 24th, we've got this friend day going on. And we'd love to have you, since you've already got a little connection with Northeast, why don't you come? And he says, wait, tell me the day again. I told him the day, he said, let me go home and write that down on my calendar. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he'll be there. But it's worth considering, what if this does work? What if what we're talking about over the next three or four weeks, what if it does work? 
because you say so, I'll do it. But the important thing, the thing I want you to catch is this isn't some, some twisted turn or burn test for Peter. It's not like Jesus is saying, hey, drop down your nets on the, on the deep part. And if you don't, you know, then you're going to be in big trouble. It's nothing like that. Actually, what's going on is that there's a relationship between Simon and Jesus. I think when Simon says, hey, because you say so, I'll do this. I think he's saying, I trust you. And here's why. The preceding story, right before this story happens, Luke records this. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. There's a relationship between Simon and Jesus. So when Jesus says, hey, do this, Simon's like, I trust you with that. And that's my prayer for myself and for all of us this morning is that through the next three or four weeks of this series, what if, that you and I will take our trust with Christ to the next level, that we'll build upon all of our Christian walk so far and we'll take that to the next level so that we can encourage people to do the very same thing, to experience him initially And then over time, experience them again and then begin taking their trust of God and maybe even trust of the church to the next level as well. But what I want you to see is that there's something to build upon. So when you think of evangelism, it's not just going up to a stranger and striking up a spiritual conversation. There's more to it and it starts with relationship. Relationship. And as we walk through this sermon this morning, we're going to walk through the story of a young lady who is in a certain lifestyle. And I don't want to tell you the lifestyle, not so I don't give it away or anything, but because I bet you have friends or family and they're not connected to the church. They don't follow Jesus. Maybe they're even wrestling with the whole faith deal. Or maybe they're one of the people, you know, I believe there's a God, but I don't do the whole organized religion. Or there's someone, and they're kind of far away from God. And you could fill in the blank. And currently, they're in this lifestyle. And you can fill it in for whatever that is for you. And we'll just leave it blank, and we'll call this lady a former, and leave it hanging. But I I want you to notice what she says all along her journey. And it starts out with relationship. She wrote this letter to a pastor And he wrote back and invited her to dinner with he and his wife. And they struck up this relationship that was beautiful and led to her transformation. And in this interview that she gives about her spiritual journey, she writes, they didn't treat me as a blank slate. Okay, here's someone who needs the gospel. Let's get her through these points. They actually seemed more interested in having a relationship with me. And that's the start. You build a relationship with someone and then you can build up on that. And a nod turns into a handshake and a handshake turns into a conversation and you realize that you're just building on stuff that was already there. People serving this guy anyway. And then you can take it farther. You can get so much farther down the road with someone if there's something to build up on. But I want you to know there's going to be excuses, not just from us. There's excuses from the other side of the line as well, and you know that. Here's a few that I've experienced. I remember a a close colleague of mine named Ron, and Ron and I sat down to lunch one day, and I said, hey, uh, you know, 
you've got a little church history from your teenage years, you wanna talk a little bit more about that, I'm interested. And I'd like to tell you about uh, the church that I'm connected with. And he said, no. No. My friend Mark, every time that I tried to talk to Mark, he knew I was a Christian. I would give it, you know, weeks, sometimes months intervals and chatting with him and working with him, had a few other people praying for him. Every time the conversation took a spiritual turn, he would say, David, you know I'm a science guy. You know I'm a science guy. Next slide. Remember being in the hospital. Close friend of mine said, hey, I need you to go see my uncle. He has no relationship with God whatsoever and time is short. Can you go and just present the gospel? So I go in and I chat with this guy for a few minutes and I try to shape it toward scripture. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe in God now, go on. I remember auditing a science course and working through it. This lady found out that I was a pastor. I don't know how she found that out. I've never told her, but we were having some conversations. I was really trying to wrap my mind around some of the teaching that she was doing wasn't challenging at all. And I was asking her a few questions and I remember in one conversation, she said, you are not going to convince me. Okay, next. I was leading a Bible study and there was a guy that I'd been praying for, striking up a relationship with. Uh, He was in the Bible study. I said something that he didn't like. I think this was one of maybe his second or third time in kind of a church environment. And he actually stood up. He stood up and he said, this makes me feel like that I'm never going to go to church again. I'm not saying when you strike up and build that relationship that it's going to be easy or natural. But it does give you something to build upon. Uh, My wife and I were in a lumber wholesale store uh, some time ago and I saw an old friend from elementary school and we got to, you know, catching up and all that stuff. And in the course of the conversation, he asked me what I was doing now. And I hate that question if I haven't seen someone because if I say I'm a pastor, it changes the dynamic immediately. It just does. So I hate that question. I like to go a different route and drop that later so that we can build up on some stuff. But I was, I don't know if I was rushed or whatever, but I dropped that and he, it changed the situation. And here's what he said to me. He said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna start going to church as soon as I get my bills paid off. <laughs> I don't know what that means either, okay? Yeah, but that's where, that's where he is. But those excuses just, just go to show you but you've got to start out building a relationship. People are already on edge. They already know what a cold call feels like. You get cold calls, right? How do you feel when you answer the phone, you don't recognize the number and you get a call and it's immediately you get that big cruise ship sound. You've got two free weeks, right? You immediately feel detached or defensive or this is a waste of time or you shut down. So when you build a relationship, you can break through some of these excuses. And that's the start of the risk. Evangelism is a risk. It's putting yourself out there to cultivate a relationship with someone and then to build up on that. But risk also, it it includes being intentional. Being really intentional 
with what's going on. So the story in Luke when Jesus said, let down the nets and he's like, we've worked all night, but because you say so we will, it goes on in verse six. So they let down the nets in the deep water and they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, I don't want to read too much into the text, but when I read through this story, and I know that the context is Jesus equipping these guys to not just be fishermen, but fishers of men. I see in Jesus or Peter's words here, I see him saying, I'm so sorry. My approach was way off. I was tired. We had worked. I totally overlooked the deep part. I could have done that. I'm sorry. Next time, I'll get it right. Fishermen know that. We know to be intentional. We know where to fish. We're just caught up in the rhythm of the day and lost sight. We're sorry for it. You've got to be really intentional with the relationship. Or here's how the former says it. The manner in which we introduce the gospel, it's at least as important as what we say. Uh, Two really quick stories. One, I was developing a friendship with a guy uh, back home. And he and I went to high school together, reconnected after a few years, you know, being involved in our own lives, married, children, all that stuff. And we were working on some projects together. And he was having a little bit of a rough time that few people knew about. I didn't. So we're cultivating this relationship. And I don't know where this is coming from. But these were his words to me. He says, hey, listen, as this thing moves forward and we do more work together, if a friendship starts to develop, I want you to know, his words, I want you to know that I'm not a project. I'm not a project. And when we start to think about evangelism, it's easy. It's really easy to reduce someone to a project. And my circle of friends, before I met Michelle, I was running around with a group of guys. We were really close and married a few of them. Just great guys. And we're hanging out. And this one guy, he's not the greatest of the group. Um, he's actually involved in some, some stuff that's challenging his life, maybe even his safety at times. And he's listening to some music that the lyrical content is leading him farther and farther and farther away from God. Not to judge anyone's music, but this stuff was messed up, okay? Messed up. Up. You want me to sing a little bit of it? Yeah, it was messed up. So I was young, very fresh to the faith, early in ministry at this time. And I had this brilliant idea. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy his music from him. And then I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to offer him some money that he can't resist. I'm going to take all of his CDs and then I'm just going to bust them up. And you know what? It worked. He took my money. I took his CDs. I busted them up. And you know what he did? He went and he replaced the CDs. He bought the exact same CDs. I thought I was making a point to him. And he was making a point to me. Now the problem is, I was trying to grow this guy. I was trying to grow this guy and I can't do that. Now, I don't want you to hear me saying, I'm not, I'm not reducing or diminishing this, any type of spiritual urgency in someone's conversion to Christianity, their transformation in Christ. 
But I do want to elevate the value of a long-term view of someone's spiritual journey. There was a study recently done of 500 people who received Christ. 500 people who received Christ. And the vast majority of them, do you know how long the transformation took before they actually received Christ? Four years. Four years of people building into them and building on those moments and planting and watering seeds and building on previous relationships. Four years. And here I'm trying to buy this guy's conversion. It doesn't work. It's so easy to reduce people to a project. So the risk for us is that we don't rush someone into a relationship with Christ. I mean, when has rushing someone into a relationship ever worked for a marriage or a career or a calling? It doesn't. So we want to value a long-term view of someone's spiritual journey, and that takes intentionality. Here's how Paul would say it. He would say, hey, Apollos and I, we're just merely servants who helped you, Corinthians, have faith. It was the Lord who made it all happen. I planted seeds, Apollos watered them, but God made them sprout and grow. What matters isn't those who planted or watered, but God. And it's God who made the plants grow. I can't. I can't. And if I treat people like a project or if I try to rush their relationship, I'm going to realize that, wow, I really can't make things grow. But I can plant seeds and I can water them. Uh, But this idea of evangelism, it requires us to be, you know, build that relationship, be intentional, but also to have a sensitivity, to be sensitive to the people that you're around, to be sensitive to the people in your circle that you really want to make a difference spiritually in their lives. Think about what our former said. Oh, excuse me. We'll go to Luke 5. Yeah, we'll go to Luke 5 first. The story goes on in Luke 5. You know, they're bringing this large haul of fish. Simon and all all of his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. They were astonished. I love that part of the story. It makes me think that they're doing what God is really priming them to do in this moment. They're following through and it's working. It's working to the point of they can't believe that this is actually happening. They're amazed at it. So our former says, that this letter, this pastor wrote to them, invited them to dinner. When she went to dinner, she said, they asked me some questions that no one had ever asked me in my life. There were questions about my well-being and they were genuine. I think this former is saying, you know, they cared. They met me exactly where I was in life. And they helped create a different sense of culture in my mind. What happens? The former, I bet if you've seen this happen before, you're amazed. You're astonished. When you see someone come to Christ, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And you realize that I may have played a part, but I didn't do that. And you're amazed at the work of God 
in their lives, how he's making this thing grow. And all you and I are doing are planting seeds, watering seeds, being authentic with people, meeting them where they are, and God's doing this transformative work. And it is amazing. It's amazing to see that happen. Uh, we were blown away here earlier in February when we started this discovery, uh, discovering my ministry class. We were blown away. Uh, the church that started it, um, every time that they roll it out, they usually have between two and five people. And I know this was our first run, but we had over 60 people sign up for this. And it just spoke to the leaders who are overseeing this class. And it said, people want to know what they can do, how God has created them, crafted them, and wired them to meet other people exactly where they are. So we've had conversations with a few people. I remember one lady saying, describing the ministry she's involved with. She says, I just feel called to do this. And when you see the work that she's doing and the transformation that's happening in the lives of the people she works with, it's astonishing. It's amazing. We were chatting with this other individual and she said, hey, I wanna do this. I want to do everything I can to equip people and get everybody else involved in ministry. And that's exactly what we were looking for at the time. And she followed up by saying, I'm just wired this way. She's wired in a way that where it's amazing. It's astonishing to see the ripple effect of getting people involved in ministry. And she's a catalyst for that. Um, I wish you could have been, I know you gouse curtain because, you know, you weren't invited. But the uh, forge thing we had a couple of months ago out in the parking lot here. If you could see the guys rallied around this fire that they had made and sharing their stories and taking steps. And I think it was challenging for some of them. But we're here in this parking lot and people are being met where they are. And it was amazing, astonishing, awesome to see some of the guys stepping up and sharing and other guys feeding off of that and being prompted to step out of their comfort zone and grow and take a step of, you know, one step closer to Christ. Beautiful. And can I step off script for just a moment? Stepped off, step off script for just a moment up there, okay? No slides. I'm also thinking about one of these underlying movements going on in our church. And it's astonishing. It's amazing, and it is fun to watch. Uh, the staff, we took a trip with, uh, we went to Middle Creek Elementary, and we took a, staff with, a trip with one of the ministries that's developing here called Be the Church. And we went over and served these students who come to this summer program. And it was so neat to get involved with these students and walk with them and serve them breakfast and hang out with them a little bit and even boost the volunteers over there, you know, shoot a shot of encouragement their way. But I tell you, it's all over Facebook. And I see people trying to get involved in the group. It's the buzz of the church. I hear people talking about it. But there's just this grassroots ministry forming called Be the Church where Everybody can get involved and people are going to different areas of the community and they're serving and the ripple effect that it's having is amazing. It's astonishing. It's like, wow, that happens if you just meet people where they are and it's beautiful. And I'm so proud of this church because everybody wants to get involved of that and to stand in the way of that would be so, it would be spiritual folly to get in the way of that. And it's beautiful and it's sensitive. All it is is a group of people being sensitive to the needs of others 
And what's happening? It's creating a culture of evangelism around here. It's creating a culture of meeting people where they are. And it's awesome, awesome to watch. And you know, if you want to take that a step farther, like Josh said this morning in announcements, tonight or this evening at three o'clock, come by. You don't have to sign up if you don't have time to do that. You got to rush out. Just come by at three o'clock, get plugged in. It's going to last two and a half hours. It's a great workshop led by Kim Stoltzfus. And it really gets you in touch with your shape, how God has wired you to serve in and through his church. Love to have you there. It's going to be a great, great afternoon. Well, the story continues kind of wraps up a little bit in in verse 10 Luke 10 so Jesus said to Simon hey Simon I know you've seen all this stuff so it's been great you're encouraged adrenaline's rush you got this huge haul of fish but I don't want you to be afraid because from now on you're going to fish for people and you can't be you can't be scared you can't be afraid And we won't do it, but I bet a show of hands would suggest that quite a few of us in here would be afraid to do that. We would be scared to share our faith. We would be scared to be fishers of men. And this requires, this last step here, this requires kindness. Kindness. If you look at our culture, our culture can be antagonistic toward the church just like the church can be antagonistic toward the culture uh, our former would say it this way she said this church that this pastor was leading this church had been praying for me faithfully but get this some in the church actually shared with me that it was easier for them to be disgusted with a person like me rather than to pray for me. And I'll be honest with you, I think by default, that's probably easier for me too and maybe for you. It's much easier to be disgusted by some of the stuff and the people we see going on in the world than to actually be on our knees in prayer for those people. So when I think about Jesus saying, don't be afraid, it reminds me of a story. When I first got this call or this nudge or whatever you want to call it, however you want to frame it, to get involved in ministry, I was a young fella. And I remember being in my living room and I'm thinking, I really got to do this. This is something I've got to do. And across the street, this house, this house, and this house, they were all my friends, the guys I ran away with. Except for this guy, he was about six years older than the rest of us. So, you know, we looked up to him. We thought he knew everything, right? He was kind of the ringleader. And I remember thinking, I've got to go tell him. I've got to go tell him right now. And I knew that he had nothing to do with the church. So I get up, I go across the street, knock on his door, you know, banging on it. He comes out and I say, dude, I'm going to be a preacher. Closes the door behind him, steps out, and he goes like this. And for about 10 or 15 solid minutes, he rips into preachers and churches. And I just listen. Now, I wish I could, I wish I could tell the story. I wish I could end it and say, you know, I went back home and I was sad. And several weeks later, there's a bang on my door. And he's like, dude. I want to do it too, or I want to go to church, or I've been praying about that and I'm sorry for the way I handled it, but God's wrestling or stirring in me too. I want to do it. But it didn't, it didn't play out like that. I mean, the guy's still 
got a hard life to this day. But what happened in that moment is what I want you to get clear right now. When I think back to that moment, my response to his response was shaping me. And it was in that moment, gosh, I can see this so clearly in my mind. It was in that moment that I owned my full identity in Jesus. There's junk going on in the world. We're not going to deny that. We're not going to stand up here from the stage and say, hey, if you walk through these things we're putting out from the pulpit, that everybody that hears is going to become a Christian and immediately. We're not even saying that. This culture can be antagonistic and hostile toward the church as well. And our response will shape us. I think scripture calls for kindness. However, the culture is responding to us. It calls us to own our identity in Christ and to respond in kindness. You know, I think this is a good graphic for us. There's typically a couple of groups and that's who we see. We see group A and we see group B. And here's the surface. This is where everything gets politicized. This is where labels get placed. This is where people develop conflict and take sides. This is where the Facebook fussing, the Twitter tantrums, this is where all this happens. And this is what we see. So we turn on the news station or we WWW whatever news. This is what we see. And we think this world is, there's nothing good going on. But being involved in journeys the past couple of weeks, one of our mid-sized Sunday morning groups, and listening to people talk, it's just a reminder to me that actually there's, there's another group. It's group C. And they're below the surface. And they're not really caught up in all this. But they're actually making a difference. They're not spending their time focused on all these differences and the conflict and the junk. They're saying, okay, yeah, that's real. Now let's do something about it. And they're moving stuff ahead. How do you know that you're a Christian? I don't know if you caught that um, article or not, but on some of our sites that you probably frequently visit, there was an article that says, how do you know that you're really a Christian? Well, let me throw one verse out there. It's Galatians chapter five. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life is love and joy and peace, forbearance or patience and kindness. Kindness. Regardless of how this culture is responding to us, the response that we have is shaping us And prayerfully, it's shaping us into the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives. So let's finish up these two stories. The story in Luke finishes up. So they pulled up their boats on the shore and they left everything and they followed him. The NIV translates the original as everything. And it actually means they released Whatever it was that was holding them back, they released it. And they said, we're all in. If it's a problem, they said, we're going to release it and we're going to start these relationships. 
If it was an issue, there's like, you know what, we're going to release that and we're going to be really intentional. Some other issue, we're going to release that and we're going to be sensitive and meet people where they are. Whatever issue, it's, it's all right, it's all right. We're letting go of that. And we're going to be kind. In our former, I love how our former ends her little article. She says, you know what? As someone who has received Christ and made this transition, who's been transformed by the gospel, we need to be willing to take some risks. R-I-S-K, risk. So you should have gotten a little card with your bulletin, if you have that. One side is just the acronym RISK and a few of the highlights of what, we're, what we've been talking about. And on the back, uh, we've got a little prompt for you. I bet you've got three people. I bet you've got a friend, a family member, or someone you're familiar with, but you really wouldn't call them a friend. Someone you see a lot and you've got the, you know, the wave or a hello or something like that. Will you write down the name of those people? Write down one name of a friend, a family member, and someone you're familiar with. And we begin praying for them and praying how you can take a risk in their lives. And follow that verse at the bottom. Isn't it great, that verse at the bottom? Be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Be wise and pray what that wisdom would look like as you build a relationship with them intentionally, sensitive and kind, meeting them where they are. You up for that? That's a risk, I know. But if you think about it, God took a huge risk on this world. When you think about the kingdom of God or the church or any of those phrases or slogans we use, it's not about health or wealth or a get out of hell free card or anything like that. Uh, This gospel is about the reign of God on this earth through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Us embracing that gospel and then doing what we can to create an atmosphere or a climate with people or groups so that we can then share that authentically and in a helpful way. So he took a risk on you. He took a risk with me. And here we are. I mean, what if? What if this works? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you, Father, that for whatever reason, whoever has been involved in our lives, who have planted and watered seeds over time, whether it's friends or family or someone related to the church, for people who built upon previous relationships, who were intentional with us and met us where we are, for people who were kind to us when we were not kind to them, for whatever it was that provoked us to put our attention toward you, thank you for that, Father. Thank you for doing everything that you could to get our attention, even sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross. We are indebted to you for all eternity for that. And for that free gift, we praise you. May that be a catalyst for each and every one of us to go and take some risks when it comes to evangelism. And to that end, we pray, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.